Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Ravi Straczynski. Thanks so much for joining us on episode number 63 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest has become known in the poker world over the last year for being one of the most generous and classiest guys in the game. That's because not once, but twice, he has donated every penny of his tournament winnings. First, $125,000 after his eighth place finish in the 2020 WSOP main event. And now over $200,000 after winning a bracelet at the 2021 WSOP. The name Gershon Distenfeld is already one that will never be forgotten in poker circles. But what else do we know about the man beyond his charitable giving? It's time to find out some more. Gershon, welcome to the Cardstead Podcast. Thank you very much, Robbie, for having me. My pleasure to be here. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining. And I got to say, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, it was fun to get to meet you and, and, and see you uh, at that bracelet ceremony. And you know, we even bumped into each other at a restaurant. So thank you very much for your time. And I'm looking forward to, to really getting to know you a little bit, a little bit better myself. I'm looking forward as well. I watched uh, one of your podcasts recently. We interviewed Ari Engel. It was, it was fascinating. So hopefully I'll be half as fascinating. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll aim for it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that was episode number 36, folks. If you want to go ahead and listen to that after this one, uh, we have a, a good a good uh, selection of uh, podcasts for you guys to listen to. Um, so, Gershon, how did you first get into poker in the first place? What attracted you to the game? I think like everyone else in the in the moneymaker era in 2003, where it you know, became a sport, so to speak, on ESPN, I got more interested in the game. I, I don't I have a full-time job, so I don't have time to play a lot. Never did. I'd start, you know, probably a good 10 years after that, maybe seven or eight years ago, I started to play, you know, occasionally I go to a tournament in Atlantic City. I lived in the New York tri-state area, Atlantic City or Foxwoods. Um, but I, I, I read a lot about the game. I was just very interested. The combination of kind of uh, probability, psychology, um, Dealing with incomplete information, which is something I do professionally, also that's part of the you know what investors do. Uh, just it fascinated me, and I think the thing that fascinated me the most, and I'm not sure I, in my mind it was this articulated, but in hindsight, was the idea that I, in theory, I could win. I could practice basketball all day long, right? If I played LeBron James one on one a million times, he wins a million times. I could practice golf all day long. I go up against one of the best golfers in the world. I lose every time. Here's something like maybe I'm, and I'm sure I'm not as good as some of the professionals, but I have a shot. I obviously have, a, I was able to win a bracelet. And again, that it's a dream come true and not something I expected, but it was at least theoretically possible. So I'm a very competitive person. I don't want to try something that is really physically impossible, but this was something within reach. So that really interested me and attracted me to the game. Interesting. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, going to Atlantic City, going to Foxwoods in Pennsylvania. Do you sort of travel a lot for work and then you take time on the side to sort of like play in the nearest poker room? Or did you actually travel out specifically to play poker tournaments once in a while? No, I, I, I specifically traveled to play poker tournaments. Again, probably two, three times a year. Um, I think I went to the World Series of Poker for the first time about five years ago out in Vegas. And I played a couple of events. I, I I don't think I've even played 20 bracelet events in my life. Um, so, you know, we, I think we were joking, Robbie, together. Like, you know, Phil Hellmuth might have the most bracelets, but I probably have more bracelets per capita. Uh-huh. You know, exactly. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm not the player Phil Hellmuth is. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy the tournament. I, I played cash a little bit in, you know, when I first started. I didn't really enjoy it. To me, it's like... For me, it wasn't really about the money. So if I lost money, it annoyed me. If I made money, it didn't change my life. So mm-hmm. it, it was competitive, but there was no like measure of success. I wanted to like win something. Right. That makes sense. Right. Well, so I know you see, I see you've got uh, tournament results on Hendon Mob dating back to the summer of 2018 in a Rio Daily Deep Stacks event in Las Vegas. So like, how did you select which events you're going to play? What what made you decide, oh, I'll play in the deep stacks or I'll play, you know, this one now? Well, I'm guessing that was just a filler for a day I got eliminated early in a, in a bracelet event. But uh, I, I looked at the schedule when it came out, World's of Poker, and I go out for, you know, a few days, five, eight days, something like that. 
um, you know, family life, which I'm sure you'll want to get to, and you know, can't just disappear for long periods of time. In fact, my wife wasn't that thrilled. They went back to get the bracelet and play the main event, but uh, <laughs> but that's life. It doesn't uh, ship well in FedEx. You know, you want to pick it up yourself. Right? Yeah. Well, they wouldn't give it to me, believe it or not. I, I had to when I won the bracelet. Uh, it was uh, it was a Wednesday, and I was scheduled to leave that afternoon. So when I made the final table, I pushed the flight off to make a red eye. Figured it out for sure, make a red eye. And by the time I had done all the interviews, I missed the red eye. I'm sitting there. I had no no flight back, no hotel room, okay. full day of meetings the next day. I mean, no one should cry for me. Right. It was uh, it, it was a it was an unbelievable night. But um, yeah. So anyway, so I, I you know took the bracelet, and they're like, okay, we'll do a bracelet ceremony tomorrow. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. Right. Um, but I'm coming back for the main event in a couple of weeks. We can do it then. I'm like, okay, fine, but you can't take the bracelet there. I'm like, why not? I'm like, well, people have taken it before, and they don't come back. We want to do a bracelet ceremony. So I came back home, and everyone's like, where's the bracelet? Where's the bracelet? But I finally got it. Uh, we were there last week, and right. now I'm, uh, I guess, proudly wearing it. Beautiful. I think guys, if you're, if you're just listening, Gersh is showing a beautiful bracelet to the camera. That's great. So, and I'm, I'm guessing you didn't just put it on just for the interview. No, I'll wear. I mean, the question about whether I'll wear it uh, forever. Um, you know, many years ago, I joked that when I went a bracelet, and my wife and kids were like, "It's the ugliest thing ever," which I don't think it is. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> like I, I told them, Tom Bowl, if I ever do win it, it, it's never leaving my wrist. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever, go win it. Sure. Like that's gonna happen. I never believed it would happen. Right. Uh, it's 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 still surreal. I wake up some mornings and so like, I I can't believe I that this happened. Amazing. Well, we definitely could talk a little bit more about that bracelet win. But uh like I said, let's learn a little bit about Gershon away from, from poker. Uh I know you've worked at uh Alliance Bernstein Investment Management Company for almost 24 years. And, and, you know, I saw that number. I'm like, my God, that's that's not something we tend to see too much of in this generation. Usually in today's day and age, with so many of us, and I know myself, I've moved around every couple of years, uh, you know, this workplace, another workplace. So what's kept you rooted at, at one company? That's uh, a, a character trait, I think. Well, look, Alliance Bernstein is a very special company. It, it's a big company with a small company feel. Uh, the firm's been extremely good to me. They've given me opportunity after opportunity. Uh, so obviously like everyone else had opportunities to leave at one point in time, but, um, yeah, it is very rare for someone to spend essentially their whole career, which I have here at Alliance Bernstein. And, uh, I, I think it's a great place to work. It's a great culture. Um, and look, wall street is not necessarily filled with necessary, not every firm has a culture that you want to be a part of. And sure. this one does. And, you know, now that I'm part of the leadership team of the firm and I sit on the operating committee, you know, I have a chance to shape that culture as well. So it's just, you know, I don't know. It's a great, it's a great firm. And uh, I, have, I have a lot of, of, of Hakara Tatov. We could translate that for our non-Hebrew speaking. Uh, gratitude, I would say, yeah. Gratitude, a fancy way in Hebrew of saying gratitude to, to the firm for the opportunities that, that it gave me. And uh, so, yeah, look, who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm probably not going to be here for another 24 years, but um, I, uh, this has just been a great, great place for me to build my career. Well, that's good. Well, you did mention that that beautiful Hebrew phrase, you know, the gratitude of Karat the Tov, and that's just something I got to say also, like, you know, kudos to you. I noticed the first words out of your mouth when you're doing your bracelet ceremony, you know, not about yourself and your win, even your family's like, let's thank Jack, Ethel, let's thank the tournament staff, let's thank Jonathan Little. I think that's a, a beautiful trait uh, that we could all follow, and clearly that uh, extends to, you know, your work life as well, and, and good on you for, uh, you know, throwing the, the spotlight back on them. Um, I, I don't know... And to be honest, I don't know what the specific titles mean. I've read the description on LinkedIn. I still don't really know exactly what you do. So I'm hoping you can just very briefly explain that role. But more important than that, I'm wondering if any of the skills you've honed and developed over the years at your job have specifically assisted you uh, at the poker table. Yeah, so my job is to, you know, I, I for most of my career, I, I, I grew up in what's known as the high yield bond market or the junk bond market, um, where you know, we make loans to risky companies. Um, and that's where, I established, that's where I spent most of my career running that business. I've been uh, co-heading our fixed income division. And for those who don't know fixed income, fixed income was a fancy way of saying bonds, right? We, we lend money to governments, municipalities, corporations, and others. Um, we manage a, a little over 300 billion 
in assets and client assets around the world. It's a global business for us. Uh, so in terms of did I learn, I think I think I mentioned at the outset, the, some of the skills that we, you need, we're always acting with incomplete information. You know, we can research the heck out of something, but there's always a lot more we don't know than we do know. And that's that's true in poker as well. You know your cards. You know, if you're a good player, you know the range of cards your opponent might have. Um, but there's a lot of psychology, both in markets and in poker. So, you know, I think there's 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 definitely similarities. You know, can I say necessarily that my career really directly led to me being Again, I don't even know if I'm good at poker. Who knows? I, I got lucky in a couple of times. Um, I don't know if it was directly, but I think certain, a lot of the things that interest me about investing are also true of the of the poker world as well. Mm-hmm. I, and obviously, to to be in that kind of position, you have you know you don't just like well, well let, let's choose this, let's choose that. It's not really random. There's a lot of study, a lot of research, uh, you know, an effort and, and and time that goes into that. So too uh, with poker. You know, at, at what point did you sort of begin saying to yourself, hey, if I want to, you know, do well at this, I ought to study? Um, look, I was just fascinated by the game. I and mean, when you watch an ESPN, it looks like it's so simple. You see everyone's whole cards and you start really looking into it. It's a very simple game to learn how to play, but it's a lifetime type of achievement to learn to play it well. And, you know, I definitely was that. I mentioned, I mentioned Harry Engel before. You know, he's probably the most accomplished player at the table. Definitely a better player than me. I think the the, the, the most fortunate part of everything is I, I had him to the left of me. For those that he was, he finished seventh, I believe. Right? Sorry, I had him to the sorry, I had him to the right of me. Uh, and he right. finished seventh. But he, when someone's to the right of you, they always have to act before you. Right. Almost all hands. So, you know, him. Be, you want the better players to be on your right and the weaker players to be on your left. So I was sure. very fortunate in the table draw that I had there as well. Okay, interesting. So I'm just thinking again about this, this study. You know, you, you credited Jonathan Little, you know, during your speech, and you know, you said as soon as you made it known that uh, you're going to be donating your money to charity, he went ahead and, and, and volunteered to coach you for free. So that's obviously an amazing thing, uh, and you know, credit to him, and then also credit to you. You you clearly are, uh, you know, at least a halfway decent student. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what what do you enjoy most, and, and perhaps what do you find the most challenging about poker study? So look, I, 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 the reason I, I was, you know, so many things that were fortunate in this thing. I had read pretty much every significant poker book that had come out in the past 10 years. Mm. Um, and I, John Little was a publisher and in addition to a coach. And I read a lot of his stuff. And I always thought, I always liked his approach. It was very rational. Uh, he's a nice guy. Yep. There are other poker coaches that are nice guys. But uh, I, was, I was drawn to him. So it was just so interesting. We had a mutual friend we'd never known each other before and you know they connected us and he called me out of nowhere or or i don't know someone sent me an email to call him and and he yeah he said look i heard we do a charity it's great i'm willing to to coach you my first question was okay but you're not coaching anyone else at the final table this was a two-week period between (laughs) final table it actually happened he's like no no i'll coach you and uh you know he was phenomenal uh he spent many many hours with me um you know I, I kept in touch with him throughout this whole time. And, and what we worked on at the time was it was a final table. And usually people care about laddering up, ICM implications. Right. I just wanted to win. I was happy to go out first if it gave me a chance to win. I didn't want to, I mean, I would have guessed better to finish second or third, but I wanted really a chance to win. I wanted to race. Them. And uh, so we worked on kind of how do you play when most other people are going to care about the pay jumps and you're right. not going to. Now it didn't work out. I mean, I lasted a whole six hands. Uh, not that I played poorly, but uh, sometimes you don't get the cards. But little did I know. Talk about all the good fortune here. Little did I know that that was exactly the style of poker I needed to play to win this tournament. This tournament was a shootout tournament, right. so it wasn't a typical tournament. You had to win your entire table to advance. So that's everyone there is playing there. Doesn't matter whether you finish ninth or second. Right. Only the first advance. So there were 800 people in the tournament. There were 80 tables of 10 people each the first day. So I won that table. And the next day, there were, uh, we played eight handed. There were 10, 10 tables of eight. And I won that. And then the final table was 10. But the work that I did with Jonathan, you know, back last December really was influential in, in, in me winning this time. And Jonathan was great in terms of, uh, you know, I call, I call him during the breaks. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I tell him the status where I was at. I asked for advice, and he'd be like, "Gershwin, you, you know what to do. 
<laughs> just go, go play good. Go play well, whatever he said. And uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I got to know Jonathan quite a bit. Um, and actually, this past week when I was still in Vegas, I recorded, uh, we went through some of my hands. Beautiful. His you know, YouTube channel, which will be coming out in the next few weeks. So uh, he's just he's just a great guy. And he was very, very gracious with his time. Excellent. Really wouldn't take anything from me. I tried to, you know, tried to offer him some things, but uh, just overall, just great experience. But again, like so many things that came together, I think one has to realize that any, well, I shouldn't say anything, but almost anything you do in life is attributable to partially you, your skill and your talents, but also partially to, and this is whether whether you believe in God in, in a religious sense or fate or destiny, whatever you want, there's what we call mazel in, in Hebrew, right? There's there's a luck aspect to it. So, you know, it's why I, I told Jonathan, I'm like, you know, I was probably worse than the average player there. So I probably had a one in a thousand chance of winning and not one in 800. And he's like, he's like, no, you sell yourself short. There are a lot of poor players. You're maybe one in 600. That's okay. not your point. Right? <laughs> I mean, the best players in the world, right? All the famous players. How many made the main event of the final table right. this time, right? Right. So, so you need to have a certain amount of good fortune. I certainly had it. It's funny. We'll talk, we'll talk more about the actual uh, heads-up match, which was a four-hour heads-up match. I had a lot of unlucky things happen. I was, he was down to his last couple of big blinds a few times. I had been all in eight times for the bracelet and lost every time. Wow. Uh, the commentators wow. on Poker Go actually said, you know, they made a comment. And he's got like, I've got nine lives. So finally, <laughs> nine where I actually got it in poorly against him. Uh, I was able to, uh, to to get lucky on the turn. Go figure. <laughs> I bet that. Well, first of all, shout out then, of course, to Jonathan. He was a uh, guest on episode number eight here on the Cards Chat podcast. And everything we're saying about him, if you listen to or watch that episode, you know, just absolutely confirmed. Uh, another uh, absolute class act, wonderful guy, and uh, you know, stand up, you know, really, really, really good dude and a great coach as well. Obviously, pokercoaching.com a very successful endeavor. Oh, so after that experience, would you say that, you know, you're more of a, a shootout specialist? Is that like play to your strengths, generally speaking? Uh, and those are the type of tournaments you'll be competing in from now on? I'm, I'm not sure. Well, the shootouts are the rarer of the tournaments, so probably oh. I'll, I'll, I'll compete in anything. Sample size of one. I did well in one, right? So I really like the undefeated. format. Undefeated. Like, <laughs> yeah, undefeated. I like the format quite quite a lot i like the idea of every day you start with the same chips as the other people and, right you know, it's just you know you play in these big tournaments and through you know even if you play well you're not gonna be among one of the largest chip stacks you start with a severe disadvantage the next day so i very much like this format but i, I wouldn't say that it's the only format i would play okay that's fair uh well speaking of formats and i know last year during the pandemic you know pretty much all poker was played online i know you competed very hard uh you got you know also a good amount of results on the hand and mob uh was online poker kind of new to you at the time or is it something that you had dabbled in prior to last summer uh, i had dabbled in it but i hadn't really played a lot i played it because the other they started to have the bracelet events online and i wanted right. to have bracelet i I much prefer the live game. I'm a, more of a social being. I like interacting with people. I have, I have ADHD, so it's very hard to sit in front of a screen by myself, but I can sit at a poker table with other people just chatting and stuff. So I much prefer the live game. I could, you know, I moved from New Jersey to Florida this past year. So the, the real reason I could just say is it's, you know, you can play online in New Jersey, you can't play in Florida. But um, one of the few benefits living in New Jersey, but that's a different right. topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, the real reason is I just I, I don't I don't like the online game and I I don't really anticipate playing online again. I don't actually I probably will not play until again until next summer at the World Series of Poker in Vegas. Uh, really? Well, that's interesting. You moved to I think it was South South Florida, like the Hollywood area. I moved three blocks away from the Hard Rock Casino, which has a lot of high stakes tournaments. So maybe I'll play in one there. But yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll play in one there. But I I I uh, look. This is not something. That, and this is where I, I you know, have, have lots of debates in my own community about whether poker is a form of gambling or not. And it certainly mm -hmm. is. For me, it's it's more entertainment mm -hmm. uh, and it's a challenge. And, you know, I'm, I'm not likely to become addicted to it, which is a, can be a problem in gambling, as we all know. Right. So I uh, but again, I. It's funny. I think most poker players can't wait to play the next day. I actually left 
a few days earlier than I planned to in Vegas. Um, I was going to play a few more tournaments. I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I won a bracelet. I, then I played like the main event. I didn't do well there. I played a couple more tournaments. I almost cashed one of them, but it fell just short. And I was like, just, you know what? Uh, I'm ready to get back to life. I'm ready to get back to my family. I'm ready to get back to, to work. So I actually, I actually went home earlier than I expected. Uh, I'm, I don't have this burning. I think most players will tell you that, you know, they can't wait to play the next tournament. I like that. I, 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 I'll, I'll I'll play the, tournaments. Sure. I think what will happen is what will happen is I'll I'll want to play. You know, I'll get the bug again at some point. I'll start studying in a month or two before the next World Series of Poker. People invite me to their home games all the time, and I don't really play at home games. I don't like the idea of like taking money from friends. And, hmm. um, so I, I, I enjoy the atmosphere of sitting down with with people you don't know and just socializing with them. And, I, mean, I, I just got to sit next to Ari Engel during the final table, which was great. Someone I hadn't really got, I got to know him a little bit. We were just chatting between hands. And, yep. uh, great guy. And, and as I mentioned before, I watched his podcast. Great, great story as well. Yeah. Right. Well, if, if Tony Burns, my good friend over there uh, out in the in Seminole land in Florida, sees this, maybe he can convince you to be like a, you know, a guest bounty or something if they run something <laughs> great. You know, that, that'll I'm be actually a guest. I'm a guest bounty in my, uh, the synagogue I joined in Hollywood, Florida, is having a poker tournament uh, one of the nights of Hanukkah. There you and, go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be a celebrity bounty in that one. There Who you would go. have thought I'm a celebrity? You, you too, can eliminate Gershon and get the gelt. Gelt is somebody there. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so again, I, I did pour through, you know, the little you know minutiae there. I noticed that there was an Omaha eight or better result on that hand in my <laughs> profile of yours. What, what percentage of your play is Hold'em uh, as opposed to Omaha or any other, uh, you know, non-Hold'em game? I mean, it's almost all Hold'em. I, I played, I think that was the only Omaha. Oh, sorry, I played an Omaha high-low in this series also. Um, I played one two to seven triple draw. I played okay. a Laz tournament. And here's how I did it. It was the tournament that made sense to play the next day. And I bought a book on Amazon Kindle the night before, a strategy book. And I just read it. So just I wouldn't embarrass myself. And uh, yeah, I almost cashed in that high-low. I was uh, a few away from the money in that uh, Omaha high-low. I played regular Omaha a couple times. But, you know, I mix it up. It's it's a different game. It's exciting. But, you know, I, I, I feel the only place I feel like I mentioned, I don't think I'm as good as the, the, the big pros, but... I feel comfortable in the Hold'em game. I think I'm good enough to compete, and obviously, I want a bracelet, so good enough to do that. Where I'm, I'm just, I'm sure those games, because they're less studied, also the right. less people play them. My guess is the advantages for the people that know what they're doing are even greater. So I'm probably at a big disadvantage, but it was fun. A well, that, that kind of dovetails into my next question is because I think, well, you know, if if the hunger is to win a bracelet, perhaps uh, we should be studying a little bit more of the mixed games and have uh, some better odds, you know, in smaller fields. Yeah, the truth is that I think you're right. I think uh, that may be where I go with this. It may be that I start to play more of the mixed games for that reason. I saw the John when I played the Omaha highlight. I, I uh, you know, I think there were 800 something people in it, which is also smaller than most of the, of the Holden events. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were saying, like, yeah, I probably have a better, even though I don't know what I'm doing, I have a better chance of winning a bracelet here than I did. But like, I, I also, I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, you're going to want to win a second bracelet. And I'm kind of like, you know, this was a dream come true. One, one of these, those dreams, like, I don't know, a kid's dream of hitting the game winning home run in game seven of the World Series. I, I dreamt for the past 20 years of winning the bracelet, but I never wow. really, it was like, I never really thought it would happen. So, like, to me, if I win another one, great. But uh, I, if I only win one and I can just have this story and I have this thing on my wrist for the rest of my life, I, I'm good with that. That's beautiful. Well, I do say if uh, I, I must say, kind of have to plug, you know, I know uh, if you do want to get more into mixed games, there is a very handsome podcast host who hosts the occasional mixed game festival. Uh, you're always welcome to, to come and join, <laughs> come and join that. Um, for most people, whether it's a professional player or a recreational player, the money you compete to win while playing poker, let's call it, it's not an insignificant part of gameplay. But for you, as you said, you know, it seems that something else is motivating you. What sort of, I'm wondering, what sort of feeling are you chasing? And what is your goal when you sit down to play poker? My goal is to win. I'm a very competitive person. 
And like I mentioned before, I view poker myself as more entertainment. Like I expected to lose money playing poker. I expected to, you know, just first of all, I mean, 90% of poker players lose money. That's a different story. But I expected to lose money. And that was like as entertainment value for me. It was something I was interested in, so I competed. Um, and, you know, my feeling was, you know, I, again, my wife and I blessed, very fortunate in life with, with financial resources we've been blessed to be given. And, you know, I don't really need the money. And I'm very, my wife and I are very involved uh, in a bunch of charities, both with donating with our time. So I felt like, I, I always said to myself, if I won a big tournament, I won significant money, right? Uh, I would donate to charity. I always told that to myself. So I think it was natural. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I could have obviously just kept it quiet. I, I really wanted to try and influence other people to do the same. I think if you are, you know, I mentioned the bracelet ceremony, just remember, Robbie, for your listeners, you know, people that play this game are very fortunate. They're fortunate to, in many ways, to have the funds to play, to have the time to play, to have what we take for granted, most often good health to play. I think the least you could do if you actually win a lot of money is is give a little bit back and uh you know i i I asked i asked poker players to consider giving one percent back i i would prefer five or ten but uh one percent sounds good you know you win you know i want two hundred four thousand dollars you can give two thousand dollars off of that right yeah the main event winner is going to be crowned tonight is going to win eight million dollars and uh you know he can give $80,000 $80,000 to charity. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I think look, it's a responsibility. I believe not just poker as in life, those that are blessed with the, the financial means are, are obligated to give back and, you know, everyone can give to what speaks to them. I am not, I would never tell anyone what charity they should give, or give to, but there's a, unfortunately there's a lot of needs in the world. They're not finite. doesn't seem like they're finite. So there's a lot of good that can be done with those that are blessed with making a lot of money in anything. So why should poker be, be any different? It's beautiful. And you said, you know, you always said if you win a big one. So is that the same for all? I know like way, way back in the day, you know, it's like you said, you've known, you know, been into poker for 20 years, you know, Barry Greenstein was known as the, the Robin Hood of poker. And, you know, he made all his money in cash games and anything he won in tournaments, he also decided to get to charity. So is this, was it always and has it always been like that? Any tournament winnings, you know, if that's a charity thing or just specifically like the big wins? Yeah, no, it was, it's any winnings, but they've been rounding the so now. Right? You see the head and results, you don't see the, the buy-ins for it. So I, right. I, 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 I was definitely a losing player beforehand. Uh, so, but I was thinking, I was thinking in terms of, you know, a, a big score that I would, I would add it to the charitable funds that we, that we already give. Huge. And, uh, so that that's just I don't know it's it's something I ingrained by by my parents my in laws uh, to just be and not everyone by the way there's many ways to be charitable some people don't have the funds to be charitable that's okay you can give your time you can give your emotional and psychological support to people that need it there's lots of ways to to make a difference in the world and again those that are are blessed with whatever talents it could be talents it could be money it could be time. People sh- should feel an obligation to give back. You know, it's an incredible message and, and one that can't be repeated enough. Um, I, do, I do want to talk about these charities. You, know, you can't not you know, talk with yourself about the charities. You know, like you said, there's just you know an, an infinite amount of need, unfortunately, in the world. There's so many wonderful organizations, so many you know great causes to donate to. I imagine that's you know. It, an incredible challenge to a degree to say, okay, here I am blessed to be in this position. We've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. How do you decide what, what you know, what sort of decision-making process do you go through and say, okay, this is where the money's going to go. You know, like, oh, everything should go to one or it should be distributed to a number of them. Like what, what sort of thought process goes in and how do you make that decision? Yeah. Well, look, this, this, this has weighed on me for a number of years. Uh, I mean, a position to be able to allocate charitable dollars, um, I kind of take the approach I take in investing. I, I want a, a, as good a return on my investment as I can. Mm-hmm. So yes, if there were a finite number of meets, that wouldn't that wouldn't apply. But there aren't. So I look for opportunities where spending a dollar translates into more than a dollar. So I'll give you a couple of examples. One of the most uh, one of the things that is most dear to my to my wife and I um, is these what are known as chesed missions that are done by NCSY, National Council of Synagogue Youth. 
um, they take teenagers and they bring them to disaster areas to help rebuild the areas. And so this is the, the cost of that. Um, and the reason why that has a, such a great return, it's, it's not just about the people you help, which I don't want to minimize. We, you know, I've gone to missions to Detroit, New Orleans, Puerto Rico. And it's, it's amazing the satisfaction you get from actually helping someone. Um, but, but more than that, it's what it does for the actual teens, how it changes their perspective in life. These are mostly teens from affluent neighborhoods, relatively affluent neighborhoods. And they go and they see that there's a whole world out there. And, and you know, they take pride in, in helping others. Um, so to me, that's a return on the dollar. Another thing I very, there's an organization I'm sure you're very well familiar with in, in Israel, where you live, uh, called Leket. Yeah. They do, they do food relief. And there, they essentially, they, they, they kind of rescue food from corporate cafeterias and from bar mitzvahs and weddings, et cetera. And they distribute yeah. it to the needy. And it's with a logistics company. Every dollar that you spend there saves about $5 worth of food. So you're really getting leverage on your investment. So, you know, the, the saying, you know, you can, you can teach a, a man to you can give a man a fish and he eats for a day. You can teach a man to fish and he eats for a lifetime. So I try and, and, and I can give some other examples. But what I try and give to charities where it's not just about meeting an immediate need, but there's some longer term benefit or the dollar is multiplying that much more. So it's not like I do a research and new. These are all organizations that I had, actually for the most part, I did I did offer, uh, the poker news people were very, very nice to me. And in a show of, again, Hakara Tatov of, of gratitude, I, I asked them to uh, to allocate 10% of the winnings. So they allocated $20,000 to 10,000 each, two, two charities in Southern Nevada, a food relief charity and an autism charity. So two wonderful things I was very happy to, to support, um, but I, I, it's like I had to research all, all over again. I, I am involved in a, a number of organizations. I certainly get a lot of phone calls after this. Game. I can imagine. <laughs> more, so, more so last time in the final table, but uh, I'm sure I'll be getting here as well. But yeah, that, that's something, it's a weight that, that you know, I, I, I constantly think about, my wife and I think about how we're supposed to, you know, we're, we're, you know, in some ways, we're God's messengers in in our our ability to to help those in need, and that's a, that's an awesome responsibility. And mm -hmm. do I do I know I always make the right choices? I'm sure I make some bad choices, just like I make bad investments. But that's sure. that's kind of how I think about it. Uh, you know, I, if I can just insert a little thing myself, you know, I'm obviously a person of deep faith as well, and you know, that this saying that the you know the the good Lord gives. The, the test, the type of test that the person can handle. So clearly that's, uh, you know, says something about yourself, you know, not, not everyone um, would know how to do it. I see so many people come into money and they don't really know how to spend it. So clearly it takes a person of great character to be able to think about that type of opportunity and responsibility, uh, you know, um, critically, analytically, and, uh, you know, good on you for setting the right example in that, in that way as well. And, you know, like, like in, you know, in poker, you want to be GTO, you want to just maximize, uh, you know, all of the, all of the opportunities. So uh, I, I think you're certainly doing that. Um, you mentioned your family uh, a number of times, and uh, I know obviously work takes uh, a lot of time up. Uh, besides poker, do you even have, you know, poker, family, all these responsibilities, do you have time for any additional hobbies or, or extracurricular <laughs> pursuits? I, mean, I know you're pretty uh, involved in the community, right? Well, yeah, you know, they say you want something done, you go to a busy person. I, I do try and find time to get involved in things. I, 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 I should play more sports and physical activity, which I don't do as much to stay in shape. But yeah, I, I'm, uh, I was always a huge sports fan. Um, I've limited it now to really hockey and football, I'm a big New York Rangers fan, New York Jets fan. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Long-term season ticket holder. I didn't kept them this year, but I moved to Florida. That's a different story. Um, believe it or not, my favorite game is not poker. It's backgammon. I'm uh, and I consider myself a much better backgammon player than a poker player, and um, there's you know I I I learned backgammon as a kid, but I didn't really take it seriously. In the past few years, I've really started to take it seriously. I found a group of of uh, of people in Teaneck where I used to where I lived for many many years. Some might know the name Joey Bodner. Played it at we used to get a group of us would play at his house uh, most most uh, Saturday Shabbos afternoons. 
And, you know, we weren't playing for money, playing just for pride. Um, but uh, I, I took the game very seriously. I studied a lot. I actually have computer programs. Um, you know, on Shabbat, I don't take pictures. But when I play during the week, I'll take a picture of the board, run it through, oh. run it through a computer. And uh, backgammon solver. Yeah, good stuff. Backgammon solvers, which are actually more accurate than poker solvers. <laughs> um, so, you know, to me, my next thing might be I enter some real backgammon tournaments. There's some, yeah, it's not nearly as prestigious as poker. No one really cares. But uh, I, I think backgammon is is the most, it's a combination of, of probability, pattern recognition, some randomness. So that's, that's really, I will definitely play a lot more backgammon than poker till the next World Series of Poker. I believe uh, our community members had some backgammon questions for you. We'll get to that towards the end of the show. Um, if anyone wants to contact me, I, I'm always looking for people to play backgammon with, especially if you live in Southern Florida. And we can, uh, I'm looking for, I have a couple people now I found, but I'm always looking for more people to play backgammon with. I okay. had a high level. I don't, I, we don't, we don't mess around. Duly noted. Okay, very cool. Well, what is um, something perhaps cool or interesting that very few people know about you? Maybe you can share a nugget or two with us. Well, very few people listen to this podcast. There are people no. that definitely, definitely know it. Uh, I, I helped, I was one of the founders, maybe the primary founder of a, of a school, of, of the Shiva Day School in Teaneck about 10 years ago called oh. Shiva Teatid, the school of the future, with a very, very different uh, learning model and cost structure. I had, you know, seen the the rise in day school tuition, which is really something that most Orthodox families feel is is not really a luxury, it's a necessity, and with no end in sight. And I, I looked for, you know, I guess it's a common theme. I try and look for ways to do things differently. Um, so it was a controversial move at the time in the community because it was a threat to some of the established schools, but. Um, the school today is thriving. It's, uh, I send my kids there. It has, I think, about 700 kids now in K through 8. We actually got 100 and, so 117 kids the first year in, in pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, which is unheard of for a new school. So I guess that's something that most of your readers wouldn't know. You can look it up. Shivat Ha'atid, H-E-A-T-I-D. Um, nice. Very unique, very unique model that's been tried people learned from and tried to copy across the country so i'm very proud of that um i guess that's one thing if you want to press me for another i'll maybe i'll come up with one no, i think that that's fair and i'm gonna ask uh, my brother he lives in teenex so uh, i will ask him uh you know I'm if sure he's heard he of that issue, i'm sure he's heard of it very cool um well gershon you are a family man in your bracelet speech you know again uh I gotta I got keep going back to it because it was really wonderful. Uh, you mentioned your wife, Aviva, your four children, Shoshana, Talia, Esti, and Arye. How did they react last year when you made the main event final table and then this year when you won the bracelet? Well, we had a, we've had a running joke in for like 10 years. I, 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 I joke, my kids, I'm going to quit my job and become a professional poker player. <laughs> I was never serious and they knew I wasn't serious, but, you know, they were, they were, uh, they were, we were joked that it would ruin their shiduchim uh, right. prospects. For those that don't know shiduchim, the marriage prospects, their ability to find someone to marry down the road because we would be tainted. Their father is a poker player. Um, actually, I've told them recently, it's exactly the opposite now. It's gonna, only going to help you. For Everyone's sure. Like, oh, your dad won the bracelet? Oh, my God. That's exactly. So cool. I got to meet exactly. that So, like, I, I, look, you know, the main event, hybrid main event last year was online until the final table. So, my... As I was getting ready, my wife and my daughter, despite not really knowing my oldest daughter, not really knowing about much about poker, they they were like screaming more than I was when I actually when the when the last guy busted and I made the final table, I was like just in a daze. Right. Um, you know, they know they know that um, they know how I dreamed of winning a bracelet, and so they're very happy, very proud. They couldn't have been more supportive. Um, although I did. Tell, you know, my wife was willing to fly out for the bracelet ceremony, and I'm like, you're going to really fly cross country for a five minute ceremony. Um, so I, I exempted her. I, I, I joke her the night before, so you're surprising me in coming, right? And uh, we have a, we have a five year old at home, so it would be it'll, it'll be difficult. Sure. But you know, they were they were very happy and very very excited. Um, yeah, just very supportive. Um, my my in laws, uh, the graphs of the five towns, a very prominent family there. They they have been very supportive of me. Uh, my own parents, unfortunately, are deceased, but they would, would uh, I think, would be okay. And I think my family was most was most proud of really the, the Kiddush Hashem that this has made. And, 
and uh, how I think about it is, you know, what I'm most proud of is actually when I think about what I'm very serious with myself, it's not that I won the bracelet, I'm thrilled, trust me. Uh, it's not even that I gave away the money. It's that I, I had the opportunity. I think the lesson that I'd like to, to, to take away from is I don't want most people to go play poker. Most who are in a position to give away, give away their winnings. I want people to learn that everyone finds themselves in different situations in life. And, you know, you can, you can, you can sanctify God's name or, you know, uh, put in God's terms. You can utilize whatever you do for the good, or you can use it, you know, unfortunately for the bad. So whatever situation, if you can, if you can make, if you can make, we call it Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of God's name in an area like poker, which, you know, I love it. It doesn't have the holiest of connotations out there. Uh, you can really do it anywhere. Everyone will find themselves in different positions and different situations in life, different things that they're interested in, different hobbies that they have. And you can always turn almost any situation into something really good uh, or God forbid you turn something bad. And that's the real lesson here. The real lesson is, is, you know, if you're fortunate and blessed, whatever talent, everyone has different talents, you know, different, different interests, different hobbies. If you could find a way to utilize that to make the world a better place, that, 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 that's a good thing that we should all be striving for. You're, you're certainly speaking my language uh, in, in more ways than one. Um, for pretty much everyone in poker, uh, you know, aside from money, the WSOP bracelet is kind of like the ultimate accolade. And, and I imagine that, uh, you know, beyond having a very special place uh, on your wrist and in your heart and in your house, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what, what kind of thoughts are, are going through your mind? You know, I stood there as well. National anthems being played. Jack Ethel hands you your bracelet. In that moment, what, what's going through Gershon Distenfeld's mind? You know, it's funny. I, I I kind of teared up when I actually won the bracelet, which is very much not like me. Um, I was, I think, I was much more composed. I, I you know, I, I have a lot of media exposure. I'm on TV a lot for my job and stuff, and I, I I'm known as not really preparing much. And if you give me an hour to speak like this, I just keep on talking. As you can see, I'm pretty good at talking. Um, but you know, I, I didn't want to take up more than like three minutes max. And so I had to prepare and think about what I wanted to say. So I was like really zoned in on the message I wanted to deliver to the room, which was day one main event players. Um, and I really thought, I hopefully we'll find out. Maybe we won't find out, but I, I, I made a difference in that, you know, I, I asked everyone in the room that they would donate, if they go far in the tournament, win a lot of money, they wouldn't donate 1% to clap. And I think the the coosers were bad in the room, but it seemed like most people in the room clapped. So hopefully there they'll... Was, there was a massive amount of applause. Hopefully they'll live up to that. But, you know, you asked what's going through my mind. I I, I was really just zoned in and focused on what I was going to say. Um, just, I, you know, I, the ceremony itself was nice. And, and I got to know Jack a little bit. Jack's a really great guy as well. And, uh, and his whole staff is. You mentioned I thank them. They, they deserve the thanks. Um, but it was really the winning actual winning of it was just and surreal and i mentioned before i wake up some mornings like I, I was this a dream but now i can see the braces on my wrist so i guess it, it wasn't <laughs> the nicest cool. thing was you know my wife saw pictures of it before i got it she's like man that thing's ugly you cannot wear that and then when i brought it home she's like oh you know what it's not so bad i think it's beautiful i think it's the nicest thing and, uh, you know, I said, who would have thought that I'd have a, a, a more expensive piece of jewelry on my wrist than, than yours? She's like, we could fix that. <laughs> careful. So careful there, what you wish. There might, there might be a, she might might have to spend a little money on a bracelet for her as well. But Shout out to, I think it's Jotsons or Justins who, who makes the, the bracelets. Yes, yeah, exactly. The beautiful case as well. Um, you know, you did you did mention it again. You know, one, one thing that really struck me in particular then during your speech, and as well as now, you know, I've seen also you've done other interviews on camera. Camera, you seem to kind of be like a, an absolute natural on the mic and when you're in the center of the tension. Uh, to what do you owe that ability to be so poised and, and, and comfortable and well-spoken in the spotlight? So, Robbie, I'll tell you a funny story before that. The first time I was ever on TV, it was 2011. It was 10 years ago. I completely froze. And oh, I, wow. you know, it, it, Unfortunately, it's not available online anymore because I recently tried to show it to someone. Um, I was in a room, I was, I was on CNBC, I was in a room with a dark screen. I wasn't with the, with the host, I was looking into a light and you know, the host asked a question of the guest, the other guest on it, and he answered exactly what I was gonna answer. And I completely froze, he goes, are you okay, Gershon? 
And that was the joke on our, on our trade desk here. Are you okay, Gershon, for a, for a long time? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think most people would have, I, I felt awful. I was physically sick afterwards. I couldn't, I didn't go to work the next day. I was just like mortified, but I don't mortify is the right word. Just, but I think most people would have just said, I'm never doing this again. And, you know, I took it as a challenge and I've been on TV, I don't know, a hundred times since, and I've never had anything like that. Um, and so where did I get it from? Like I did have a lot of media training over the years as I became better at it and more of a natural, my firm invested in me. Um, but I think more than anything, it's experience. I just, I do it a lot. Um, actually, I've, the past couple of years, I've just been so busy at work. I've done it less, um, but I still do it quite often. Uh, so I guess, yeah, just, it, it's, it's definitely part nature, part nurture, part training, part actually coaching on it and part, partly uh, experience. Oh, it certainly, uh, it certainly works quite well. Uh, definitely. Uh, again, like I said, a natural on the mic and, uh, it was pretty cool. Like you don't often hear bracelet speeches that are that, you know, fine tuned. It was really, really well done. Um, I got one more question for you, Gershon, before we move on to the community questions. Uh, you know, you meet a lot of people at the World Series of Poker. And when you're in the winner's circle, you meet even more. I know you've become friendly with many of us in the poker media core, as you mentioned, the, the poker news folks as well. Um, and I imagine, again, like you said, you know, a lot of old friends and faces all of a sudden come out of the woodwork over the last few months after hearing about your success and, and what you've chosen to do uh, with the charitable donations. So I'm wondering, you know, perhaps if, if there's like a, I don't know, a way that you could capture what has this entire experience uh, of the last eight months, these two times where you've just sort of earned your place and then thrust into the spotlight, what have been some of the, the highlights uh, on a personal level beyond obviously uh, the winning the bracelet itself? Well, it's meeting a number of people. Um, you know, I mentioned the poker news guys. I became very friendly with Chad Holloway, who, who you know very well. Yep. Um, natural, he's a Dolphins fan, I'm a Jets fan. So we had natural on that. And he yep. was just so just so gracious in general with, with walking me through certain things, especially as related to the media. Um, Jeff Platt, who I've you know, always seen he was, I met him in person, for the, I'd seen him on ESPN before, but I met him the first time during, before the final table last year in Vegas. Mm -hmm. He sat down with me for a half hour, did an interview, came out great on ESPN. Um, just such a super nice guy. He actually was on a final table of a different event the same yeah. day I was. I got to, during the breaks, uh, root him on a little bit. Um, so he, he's been great. You know, it's, it's, it's just random. I met on day one, someone I knocked out, I believe. He definitely lost at my table. I don't remember I knocked him out, but uh, an Israeli, Omar Gabai, who uh, who just I became friendly with, and we ended up exchanging numbers and stuff. And I was on his rail. He he cashed in the main event. Great. And I was on I was on his rail during the money bubble of the, of the main event. Just he was at the feature table because Chris Moneymaker was at that table also. Uh -huh. And so look, I and I met Jack. There's a guy Johnny Hernandez that works for Jack. It just was so super helpful and and everything. And you know, and I just meet players, and it was interesting. There were a lot of players. I was surprised. Uh, a lot of players, maybe an hour into playing with them, they'd go, "Wait a second, you look familiar. You're the guy who who uh, who donated the money." And sometimes it was before the bracelet, also from the last time. So <laughs> you know, I, I made I made a lot of I made a lot of friends. And like I said, like I said before, I like the camaraderie and the social aspect of of, uh, of poker. I went over to Daniel Negrano. Got a picture with him. He That's knew who cool. I was. I was. That's nice. I was surprised. Um, I mentioned Ari Engel. It was great to get to know him. Um, so yeah. So I, I. I don't. Any one moment encapsulates it. But I, you know, poker sometimes gets a bad rap. I, I've experienced uh, or poker players, and I'm sure there are definitely ones that deservedly have that bad rap. But I've, I've had mostly good experiences, almost all good experiences, with some very just, very very good, uh, humble people. You know, Jeff Platt was, uh, he, he blew me away at the main event last time. He tweeted out after I got eliminated, like, what a great guy. He went around thanking everyone afterwards. And I don't know, to me, like, I didn't think, I, I actually thought it was a little bit of a sad comment. And I actually told him that. I said, like, <laughs> I didn't think it was anything so special. Like, you know, these people, it was, it was Christmas time. They, you know, they were all working very hard. We created a bubble from COVID and stuff. Yeah. And I just thanked them. It wasn't, wasn't a big deal. The fact that it was considered special that most other people don't. It's a little bit, a little bit of a sad thing, but anyway, I blab on it. 
Oh, uh, I will just give that shout out to Jeff Platt. He was also a previous interviewee here on the Cards Cat Podcast, episode number 46, folks, if you want to hear the uh, another class act, another wonderful guy, incredibly talented, and uh, dare I say, uh, quite dashing uh, as well, the dashing Jeff yeah, Sorry, I, I will say, sorry, uh, one thing just came to mind sure. I forgot about. So in between, um, the, the Friends of IDF, Friends of Israeli Defense Forces, organization that helps support the soldiers in Israel, did a charity yeah. tournament online. Yep. And Elliot Lezra and and Jeff Platt were kind of the, the big names. I was one of the smaller names having made the final table. So we did a charity tournament together, which was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, that's an, I got to meet Elliot this time. I came through with the main event. He also, I never met him before. I didn't even say hello to him. He goes, Gershon, how are you? <laughs> That's so, my man. That's my man, Ellie. He's that like, episode twenty-four, and uh, you may not know this, but we're uh, well. Look, we got we got. Well, Ellie's a very good friend of mine. Is why I translated his book from from Hebrew into English, his autobiography. Um, but uh, you you probably haven't heard this, but um, you know uh, this is being just you know uh, released on December first. Uh, but uh, as we're recording this, Ellie was uh, inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame. So congratulations. We'll use this opportunity to say that uh, to Ellie Elezra. Um, let's move on to this segment of the show. Now we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. And the first one comes from uh, a regular, Antonis32123. Thank you very much for sending this one in. Um, Gershon, which poker, sorry, which pro poker players are your favorites and do you admire the most? Oh, my, my favorite is probably Daniel Negrano. Just, he's entertaining. He has the ability to, you know, sometimes he can read a hand. It's like he, he has x-ray vision and can see the cards. Um, <laughs> Probably my my, but I, I like a lot of them. Um, I, I'm very fond of a ex poker player. She won't play anymore. Annie Duke. Ooh. Annie Duke for her work. She's she basically does more kind of corporate psychology now. Mm-hmm. Or uh, she wrote a book called Thinking in Bets, which was very her lesson from the poker world to really life in general about how you should look at things as a series of bets. Um, so I admired her as a player. I actually remember when, when she played in her brother Howard Letter. Um, so those are the comes kind of the people. I mean, obviously, Phil Helmuth is entertaining. Um, but who do I admire? Uh, I, I, I admire the people that are just able to. I, what I learned this past trip is, like, I would be a terrible pro poker player. I would get bored. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I was. I just couldn't do it. I love the game. I'd love to play every few months and then go back to normal life. So those people that are able to really concentrate and sit there and day after day and study and all that, and there are no shortage of, of, of pros who do that. Okay, cool, okay, great answer. Um, but I'm, by the way, but I, yes. my biggest, if I wanna see one person win a bracelet, it's gonna be Jonathan Little. I'm a so. fan, I want Jonathan Little. He's come close a couple of times, yep. but it's not right that a new student of his has won a bracelet and he has not, um, <laughs> but I'm very confident he's going to win one and I'm going to uh, be cheering him all the way and hopefully, hopefully get to witness it. I think we will too uh, here in the Cards Check community as well. And he's actually, he's mentioned in this uh, second question by Antonis32123, uh, outside of Jonathan Little, he, uh, Antonis wants to know whether in poker or outside of poker, has there been anyone who has helped you or inspired you to become a better poker player? Um, I was one other author that I really like, Alex Fitzgerald. I don't know. He's Assassin, really less- yeah, sure. Yeah, assassinato. He is a little less well known. I actually, I actually did a little private coaching with him about three or four years ago. Okay. His style is, I think, more to teach you how to beat the bad games. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jonathan Little is more focused on the on the better games. So I think John was a better coach for me. But I, I I like I like Alex's thinking quite a bit. Um, who inspired me? I don't know. I just all the role models in my life inspired me to kind of try and excel at that which you have God-given talents in. And again, I don't think I'm the best poker player in the world, but I think that I, far from it, I had the aptitude. Um, so look, certainly, you know, my parents and teachers and rabbis were all, all role models to, to me. I got to say, my religious community was incredibly supportive of this, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, you know, 
not, not in, you know, obviously there are some exceptions, you know, poker is gambling, it's terrible, it's horrible. But for the most part, I think people really like the story. My own, my own communal rabbis, both in New Jersey, um, as well as now in, in Florida have been incredibly supportive. I mean, the, the synagogue I belong to, there's a, there's a, a chat and, you know, people, it's just, show people the, the during they were all following it they're hitting refresh on poker news every second they're all commenting he's doing this doing that people staying up until three o'clock in the morning reading it the rabbi of 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 my shuls was 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 very into it um so I'm trying to picture the scene it's amazing yeah no it's, it's and, wonderful and, look, I, and i don't know that's not something i would have expected so i've had very great support from from the community um i threw a, a, a kiddish at at Shul in honor of the victory. I mean, the, a, a gala food consumption. Uh, yeah, thing Jewish food. Always, they always flew with Jewish events. So Good I don't stuff. know. I don't know if I answered the question fully, but that's what comes to mind. That's pretty cool. Um, crystals, thank you very much, Crystals, for sending in these questions. And Crystals does want to know, uh, Gershon, how did you get into backgammon originally? Oh, wow. This isn't live asking, right? So th this would have to be before. She had to have known I was in backgammon. She must have known. She did the research. I mentioned found it out. I didn't know that, but yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I got into backgammon really as a, as a kid, uh, but I didn't really study the game. The, the computer programs were in its infancy, so no one really knew great strategy uh, except the best players in the world. And I, like I said, I really got into it. Um, I got into it really seriously a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now. And I really just started to study more. I played online. I played against computers that are much better than me. Um, and I mentioned, uh, mentioned two people in particular, actually one's, I'll mention three people. One's actually a poker player. He, he cashed in, in, in the seniors event. Joey Nyman uh, is an excellent backgammon player. I learned, we call, we call him the Rebbe. The, like the, the senior rabbi of, of backgammon. I mentioned Joey Bodner, Hank Reinhardt. Um, these are all Teaneck people. If they mean anything to anyone. I'm lucky to play with a, a group of players that like were, were kind of my level, some a little better, some a little worse, but um, all pretty evenly matched. And we learned from each other. We were more social. Like we didn't like, we, we talked during a game. Someone did a move. Like I asked, there's two possible moves. And I'm like, do you think I made the right move? And mm -hmm. we talked about why it was or wasn't the right move. Kind of like what poker players do in the past, in, in you know, afterwards on forums and stuff, doing sure. certain hands. But yeah, that's how, I mean, backgammon to me, it's a game that every, poker's like that also, but backgammon even more so. Every game, you're in a situation that you were never in before. You can play backgammon, you know, your whole life, and every game, just about, you'll be in a unique position. There's so, there's an infinite, close to an infinite amount of, of combinations. Interesting. Um, Crystals also wants to know uh, how did you overcome? The two to one chip disadvantage going into heads up playing. Yeah, uh, through I was I, I ended up playing pretty aggressive. He was I think a more straightforward player. I thought he was a very 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 solid player. Uh, Johan Schumacher of Belgium. Um, we had a great time together. We, every time we had an all in, we put our arms around each other. You know, it was just very collegial. Yeah, um, yeah. it's funny. I I you know it was such a wild ride. It was four hours long. And, which is huge for a heads up in with the way the blind format was there. And yeah, I two to one chip. I, I about 15 minutes in, I think I had taken the chip lead. I don't know exactly how it happened. <laughs> I made I made a hero call once, which I think I would have had a very good read on. Uh then, but I had him down to there were 20 million chips in play. He was down to like a million and a half. Hmm. And then he came all the way back to take the chip lead. Then he got down again, came all the way back to take the chip lead. The last break, I had about 11 and a half million chips. He had eight and a half million chips. The blinds, I think, were three, six. So we're talking about, you know, only 10 to 15 big blinds deep. Yeah. And I remember I had the chip lead, and I remember just thinking to myself, I went to the break, like, I'm not going to win this. I just, oh, wow. Like, first time I was nervous, and I called Jonathan Little, and I said, in, you know, it's it's 2 30 in the morning in New York, where he lives. Yeah. And, you know, he, he he's like, he's like, what are you? He's like, I, I, need I told him this is happening. He's playing this way. I get advice. He's like, you know what to do. Just go out and play great. And uh, so I don't know how I overcame it. I was, I was aggressive. Uh, I picked my spots. It's why if you go look at the poker go coverage, 
Poker Go wasn't scheduled to cover the final table. They were covering the final table of a two to seven single draw. Because uh-huh. okay. Dan Negrano made the final table. He busted about five minutes in. Okay. So they kept them going back between that table and our table. Uh-huh. At one point, the one of the poker announcers, he says, he says, well, Gershaw must be, he must be winning every pot when we're not looking. Because every time we come back, they're all in, he loses. So uh, it, it was it was pretty wild ride. I also was very uh, out of the blue. I had uh, a rail show. He had two people on his rail, and we were joking all night. You got two people, I got none. I'm at a huge disadvantage. I had two people show up. My uh, my brother's uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Uh, they happened to be coming to Vegas for the first time in their life on vacation. They landed that evening, and my brother told them, "You got to get over to the Rio." Amazing. And they came and they cheered. I have a picture with 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 them in the bracelet. Um, so I evened it out. I got I got there my rail go. there, <laughs> and uh, so it was right. it was it was great. Very cool. Uh, our final question asker, Acid Burn FX. Thank you very much. Always ask some interesting and creative questions. Uh, hope you're ready for this one, uh, Gershon. What is something amazing that you did? But nobody was around to see it. <laughs> That's really putting me on the spot. We can. We'll allow you one pass if you'd like. Well, look. I mean, I, I will. You know, this I decided should be out in the open in terms of of give doing to charity. I'm certainly proud of many things that I've done that are not out in the open that people don't know about. I mean, the highest form of charity is in Judaism is when. The recipient doesn't know who you're getting it from, and the giver doesn't know who the recipient is. Yeah. So I've certainly strived to do that quite a bit. So I'm 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 proud of that. I'll tell you, my, maybe my proudest, my proudest moment as as a as a parent was when my second daughter Talia, she's now 16. I'm proud of all of my children. I have all stories from all of you, but um, it was either her seventh or eighth birthday, and she came to my wife and I and said. Um, I want my birthday party to be at, at Tomchei Shabbos. What Tomchei Shabbos is, is it's an organization that collects uh, food in a very discreet manner and delivers food to people that don't have the ability to, they don't have enough money to purchase food for, you know, for the Sabbath or really for any time. Um, and she said she wants to have her party there and they would, they would, would have cake and stuff, but she wanted to pack the boxes, which was done every Wednesday night. And, you know, something that, you know, you can only, it's hard to explicitly teach that. You, you have to, it's your kids observe what you do. Um, another, uh, one other example, my oldest daughter, Shoshana, just comes to mind. And I have these for all of my kids. You know, one excruciatingly hot day in New York, like 100 plus degrees, um, a mail, mailman, well, I'm, I'm ruining the story. This was afterwards, it was, it was a normal day. He came and said, told my wife, said, I don't know what you're doing with your children, but you know, it was a few weeks ago, it was a scorching hot day, and she saw me and she brought me a glass of water, mm-hmm. cold glass of water. So and those, those are things you can't teach. And, um, you know, you hope that you hope that it rubs off on, on your kids that, you know, throughout, you know, who, who knows whether they're going to be monetarily as, as successful as I've been be able to give away money, but they can give away their time, they can yeah. do a nice thing, they can smile at someone. All those things can make a huge difference. Yeah. Beautiful and very so heartwarming I, answer. I didn't, I didn't answer the question. I'm, I'm proud of when my values I've seen, you know, passed down to my kids. I'll be, you know, if one of these, you know, people that make the final table win a lot of money, say they're taking the 1% pledge and give to charity, I'll feel really, really good about that. There you go. There you go. Well, it's a, it's a, a beautiful and very heartwarming answer. And uh, we'll end off with this last question. Uh, also, again, thank you very much, Acid Burn FX, for submitting it. Uh, Gershon, if you could invent something, what would it be? Time machine. That's easy. <laughs> I don't know if that's too 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 science fiction. And where would you go? Uh, would you go backwards or forwards? Backwards. I mean, history is fascinating. Um, but I mean, it's like something more practical. Uh, I don't know. I like faster airplanes. I hate sitting on flights. I get very antsy. It'd be nice if I could. <laughs> fly to Vegas in like 15 minutes instead of five hours. Um, it's interesting. One of the, it's one of the few technologies that, I mean, planes are more comfortable, but they don't really go any faster than they did 50 years ago. We think of all the modern pro, uh, progress we had in technology. But yeah, no, a time machine, I, I you know, uh, people, I think, you know, if you've seen the Back to the Future movies, right? 
And Marty sure. McFly wants to invent, he wants to travel in time so he can go and bet on the Cubs winning the World Series and make yeah. a lot of money. Um, I don't think of it in those terms. I think it'd just be so awesome to see, I don't know, just previous generations and hmm. you know, so much of history. And you know, as as a Jew, so much Jewish history is so full of of seminal events and colorful figures and to go see some of those. So that's what I would want to admit. Beautiful. That's very, very cool. Very creative. And I got to say, like I said at the beginning, you know, I was like, I was looking forward to, to hearing and learning a little bit more about uh, the man behind the charity of the bracelet. And I certainly think uh, I have. Um, everyone, thank you very much for sending in your questions to Gershon, Gersh Liftenfeld. And of course, a friendly reminder to everyone out there in the Cards Chat community. We would love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Gershon, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience? No, I'd just like to, I'd like to thank you and everyone else for being so supportive uh, of this. You know, I, I ended the bracelet ceremony with, uh, with a brief prayer. Blessed be, loosely translated, blessed be he who allowed me to reach this moment. Um, and, and you said, Amen. Uh, and that was incredibly meaningful to me that, uh, you know, it's customary in Jews when you hear, when you hear a blessing that you, you basically say, Amen. And I guess repeated it means, to, means a lot of things. But, um, but like, again, I just think the whole poker community has been a community at large has been just very supportive, very, very friendly, overwhelming with praise much of it I don't which I don't deserve you've been a little bit over the top here you know I was asking what am I what am I most proud of nobody knows about I got lots of things that I'm not proud of that nobody knows about as I'm sure we all do um so I, I'm I'm not I, I'm not nearly as good a person as as uh, people are are portraying so that's a you know but that it is what it is in life but I want to thank you Robbie thank you for having me thank you for the support you showed me in Vegas and uh, just your representative of everything that's good about the game. That's, that's exceptionally kind of you. Thank you very much, Geshen. And uh, I do hope uh, for the sake of uh, our entire poker collective that we see a lot more of you and hopefully uh, in the winner's circle doing what it is that you do so well. So thank you. Uh, thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.